državljan D. Podcast za aktivne državljane. Welcome, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's the 15th of January 2021. If you're listening this, I guess we survived. <laughs> uh, we're recording this on the 5th of uh, November 2020, so uh, the future still lies ahead. Uh, with us today is uh, Hans Lutzwart. Uh, he's a lecturer and researcher at the Amsterdam University of Applied Science. Uh, he recently started a project uh, called Racism and uh, Technology. And uh, he's, here to, he's here today to talk about Big Lebowski. Um, so both uh, big fans of the movie. I'm wearing my Big Lebowski t-shirt. You can't see it, but trust me. Um, so uh, Hans uh, has a has a experience with with Big Lebowski on many levels. Uh, he's here today to talk about how Big Lebowski tried uh, tried fighting the man and basically lost. So uh, Hans, uh, bring us into the subject, please. Sure. So, like you, I'm a, a very big fan of the movie, and um, it always, I always wanted there to be sort of an easy way to search for quotes from the movie. So, as you are well aware, but maybe not all the listeners to this podcast, this is probably the most quotable movie that exists. Um, so, like the, the the whole movie is full of incredible lines that people who are a fan of the movie like to repeat at. Uh, sort of any occasion, I would guess. Um, and I would always wanted sort of a way to quickly share these quotes, find them, etc. And it really didn't exist. So um, I, I always used to have like a copy of the script somewhere and then I could search stuff and copy from the script. But that, yeah, it's uh, not optimal. And um, for uh, for some reason, I had some time earlier this year. I also sort of Corona related. Um, and I decided I wanted to give myself a little programming project. And I created a website um, under the URL, thebiglebow.ski, um, where I created basically a site where you can search for quotes or you can just press like, get, give me a random quote. Um, and it would deliver the quote plus the, um, the still from the movie Um, right from them to where the quote was. So I spent time sort of going through the whole movie, picking out images that would match the quotes that were on the website. And basically you can search the whole movie that way. Um, so I created it. I sort of um, sent out a small press release. I had some media attention here in the Netherlands. I'm based in Amsterdam. Um, I sent it to some of the fan clubs of the Big Lebowski. So there's a few different organizations that have created like uh, for example the Lebowski Fest which is this yearly event where people dress up like characters from the movie and they watch this movie in a huge cinema usually probably near bowling alley and it's a big party in the US um, and you have a sort of a, you have a church the Dudism church so this is a group of people that uh, <laughs> that ordain priests in the in the church of Dudism um, and so I send them the link And after a few days, one of them came back to me and said, hey, did you realize that uh, that you cannot share your link on Facebook, that it's blocked? And I didn't realize, I, I'm not a Facebook user, um, but then I decided to sort of create an account and uh, I didn't really create an account. Yeah, maybe, yeah, I did create an account, tried it out, realized that indeed, yes, it was blocked. Um, 
And then I decided I want to uh, try and see if I can get it unblocked. Um, and I used I, I used some I used a friend's account to test if it was uh, blocked, and I realized that I couldn't I couldn't tell Facebook that I had this problem without creating my own account. Mm. Um, and so then a journey started, which was in a way very similar to the to the lead character of the movie. So the lead character of the movie, the dude. Uh, basically, in the beginning of his movie, his uh, his rug is pissed on, um, and and sort of stolen. And he wants basically he wants his rug back. Um, he wants a new rug, um, and so the whole movie is him sort of fighting people who are richer than him, who have more influence than him, trying to um, get what is his due. And uh, and and I very felt very similar in sort of my quest against Facebook to try and um, uh, get this URL unblocked. Mm. So this, uh, this URL, this website was, was blocked without any uh, explanation or without any reasoning. You, you still don't know why, why this happened, right? Well, yeah, no. So, so what happened is that I decided to sort of really dig into it. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a there's a tiny little bit of information that Facebook will give you when it's blocked, and there's also there they also have a have a center for developers where you can sort of test URLs and see how they look on the Facebook platform. And so I I dropped it. I tried to share it normally, and it would tell me that um, that somebody has notified them that the content on this website is against their community guidelines. Um, and that's about it. And if you have a Facebook account, then you can tell them that it's a mistake. So you can click a link, then you get to a form, and the form will tell you um, here you can share your experience with sharing a certain information. Fortunately, we cannot answer you, or we will not be able to look at all the things, but we can, you know, we'll take it as a signal basically. So I filled in that form. They told me, thank you for your experience. And then I heard nothing. Um, so then I decided, um, so I looked it up. There's, there's basically a little industry of, uh, um, websites that will help you to get your URL unblocked. So of course there's many sort of small companies that, that have a small business that are dependent on, on Facebook for being successful. And some of them also have this thing where they're just blocked for no reason. And so they, they try and reach out. To these agencies that apparently say that they can help you fix this. These agencies have a very interesting business model, I think, because basically they, they have a no cure, no pay solution. So I think they have probably a way to sort of notify Facebook that there's a problem. And if it gets fixed, they get paid <laughs> hmm. uh, around a thousand dollars for probably very little work. And if they don't get it fixed, then they don't get paid. So it's, it's, um, they, they can't really they can't really lose, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and then I thought, okay, so usually, you know, you're not you're, when you're just using Facebook, you're not really a customer of Facebook, so they have, Facebook has very little interest in sort of dealing with you. But maybe I should become an advertiser, um, because if I'm an advertiser, I actually pay Facebook money, and that gives them the incentive to sort of keep me happy. Mm -hmm. So I decided to to sort of go through the process of becoming an advertiser. It meant I had to agree with to like four different terms of services. 
Um, I had to uh, put money into my account. So I put five euros in into the account. So I thought, let me spend five euros on ads. And I tried to create an ad towards my own website. Mm-hmm. I made sure to not use, a, not use a picture from the movie so there couldn't be any sort of copyright violations or any, basically it was me, me pushing an ad of a you know, green square uh, with, a t- with a text underneath it. Um, and basically that also was instantly blocked. Uh, I, had, I had also at some point in the past registered um, an Instagram account using an email address that ended in at thebiglebau.ski, so in the same domain. And I had forgotten the password and I tried to reset the password, but Facebook wouldn't send an email to the domain. So it was clearly the case that this domain was blocked throughout all of Facebook's properties because Instagram, like WhatsApp, is a Facebook product. Mm-hmm. And so basically they had sort of killed the URL, I guess. And also in this ad space, there was no way for me to contact a real person at Facebook. So I kept having to fill in forms that basically told me, thank you for your information, but with zero, literally zero commitment from Facebook to do anything about it. Mm. I then decided I wanted to have my five euros back because obviously I couldn't advertise. (laughs) Um, And there was also no way to do that. Mm. So, like, I, I, I put money into something, money that I couldn't spend uh, and that I couldn't get back. And there was no, literally no avenue to do that. Mm. Um, at the meantime, I tried to keep my sort of pri- my Facebook profile as privacy friendly as possible. So you have to click through endless lists of stuff where you tell them, I don't want notifications for this. I don't want you to use this. I don't. All the default settings are not privacy friendly. So you probably have to spend like half an hour clicking to mm. set everything in a way that that you like. And then in the end, I decided. Um, you know, I, um, previously I've been I've been the director of a um, digital rights organization called Bits of Freedom, mm-hmm. and through that um, job I, I've I have quite a few contacts in the in in, in uh, con- contacts with journalists here in the Dutch media, tech journalists, etc. So I decided to write one journalist of a particular sort of quality newspaper in the Netherlands, and I told them this whole story, and he decided to to write it up for me. Um, and there is a, and I've since translated this into English. So I don't know if you have show notes, but you're welcome to, to add this this story um, to the show notes. Mm-hmm. And basically, I I realized that uh, from experience also with Facebook that the only reason for Facebook to take any sort of action on them over blocking or doing any of these things is basically if they have um, a political or media pressure. Um, so uh, the journalist called their uh, press um, agent uh, here in the Netherlands and asked, you know, what, what happened to this website? And basically they came back next day where they told them, well, uh, unfortunately, this website was caught um, in our um, automatic spam filtering system. We marked it as spam. This was incorrect. It's now fixed. Um, sorry. 
so, sorry, not sorry, you know. <laughs> so, so how long? So how long did the whole endeavor take? I mean, what did it? Uh, so you put a lot of effort. You put a lot of uh, yeah. I think probably two months or something like that. So basically, okay. every week I I, I had like a weekly um, to do item for myself where I would check has has Facebook fixed this. And after about two months, so I spent probably a week creating the account, filling in forms, sort of escalate, trying to escalate to them. Uh, and then after about two months, I realized this will never change unless I get in touch with the media. And um, and as soon as I did that, basically, the, you know, the guy called and two days later it was fixed. Mm. Um, so although I still I still yeah. don't have my five euros. Five euros. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you need another campaign, you know, <laughs> yes, <laughs> to fix that as well. But okay, so so this is your your. But I have to yeah. say, you know, this is not fixed. So the, oh. that to me is the main. Pro it is fixed for me, mm. but the, sort of the completely um, unaccountable way in which Facebook can just block a website without giving the owner of the website any form of due process mm -hmm. um, for, for or any way of sort of proving this is this is my site this site does not uh, have any sort of things on it that are problematic even according to your arbitrary community i put that between sort of air quotes community guidelines it's not they're not made from the community they're facebook's guidelines basically mm. um so so they fixed me but they didn't fix the general problem where there is basically no way for somebody to do this in a decent equitable due process sort of manner mm. that was actually my next question so as i mentioned or as you mentioned you put in a lot of effort you've contacted the media you you pulled some strings so to say and yep. facebook fixed that for you uh yeah generally speaking even if you focus on the let's say the the geography of of tech right you're stationed in in uh, in the netherlands uh, yeah. There are there are other countries <laughs> around the world who don't have who are not let's say primary markets for for Facebook or don't have that kind of uh, influential media um, and and support yeah. from from the general community. What does that what does your example uh, tell tell us about you know how how do we uh, how much um, uh, power does the Facebook have over the the communication channels, and uh, how, um, what's the word? Uh, how um, oligarchic uh, his uh, his stance on on content moderation and uh, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, content moderation is. Yeah, uh, that's a very good question. So I realize indeed that here in the Netherlands, we we do have a, Facebook does have a market and has an office and it sells ads, and there is a public relations person here, which means that they sort of care enough to reply to the to the media. I I, I do agree with you that probably in many countries around the world this is not the case. At the same time, I had this experience, which is also in the article, that basically when I created an account, Facebook capitalized. Um, part of my last name, which shouldn't have a capital. So here in the Netherlands, we have sort of a prefix around our last name very often. Mm. Um, and that prefix should be all lowercase. And in basically any other country in the world, the, the prefix would be uppercase. Mm. And so Facebook automatically uppercased my prefix when I created an account. When I pressed save, it did that. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, that's not my name. So then I changed it. 
Uh, and then they told me, oh, you change your name now for the next six months. You're not allowed to change it again. I was like, I did not. You changed my name. <laughs> yeah, mm. <laughs> I changed it back to what I put in. Mm. Um, but and then I realized that for Facebook and that's I found it quite shocking. And I think that has been the case in many countries where um, basically, you know, they have around two and a half to three billion users. Um, and so a country like the Netherlands with maybe 10 million users or 15 between anywhere between 10 and 15 million users um, of which probably half or less than half, maybe 40% have this last name issue. For them, that's just an edge case. Yeah, they don't care enough about a few million users to get that fixed, which is shocking when you think about it. Yeah, because this is the case in many countries. They don't care enough about... Uh, a few hundred thousand Rohingya in Myanmar who, mm -hmm. who are basically uh, the, the, the victims of a genocide which was, which was partially um, catalyzed by, by WhatsApp behavior on Facebook. Um, you know, they didn't even have people who could speak the language so that they could see basically the stuff that was happening or they, so, so they, so they, they, they don't, they don't really care. And at the same time, they are, of course, sort of the ultimate rulers um, of their domain. So basically, whenever you're in a Facebook property, you live your life according to the terms of service that, that they enforce upon you. You have zero choice about that. Mm. So basically, your your digital life on a Facebook property. For many for many people, Facebook has become sort of a core part. For not just Facebook, but Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp have become a core part of the information infrastructure. Um, they they are very dependent on Facebook. I have the privilege that I don't have to be, but for a lot of people, this really is the case, and that means that they live their life on these platforms within the jurisdiction. Of Facebook and so Facebook decides uh, what they can and cannot say I have activist friends here in the Netherlands that run projects for example around anti-anti um, anti racism which you know their, their accounts get blocked because uh, they have uh, haters who sort of uh, um, notify Facebook like there's a problem Facebook will check every single time somebody um, notifies them that there's a problem they will look at it again because maybe the content has been changed mm. and they, we know that they, their moderators have sort of an error rate of around 15 percent so you know if you if you um, if you if you notify facebook 20 times that a certain post is against the rules even though it isn't uh, at some point um, some moderator is going to make a mistake and 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 will get you blocked mm. so and and what yeah so what to me the pro the problem is that Facebook is in, is is a very very American company. It's based in Silicon Valley. It has American values. The values are deeply deeply um, capitalist. So the only thing that matters for them is earning as much money as possible. All the rest is just bullshit. Mm -hmm. um, and and so in in many cases you know Facebook literally just does not give a fuck about uh, what happens on that platform um, as long as there is some form of engagement. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, and I think it's a, it's a deeply problematic fact that so much of our sort of public discourse runs through these platforms. So I don't know how it is in Slovenia, but here in the Netherlands, 
a lot of the communications from the government around the coronavirus and um, and what people should do is done through Facebook. So like our prime minister talks to us on Facebook, mm. um, which I find uh, shocking, to be frank. So it's, I mean, yeah, so so to comment on, on Slovene uh, landscape, I guess it's mostly the same. I guess that the politicians prefer Twitter, where uh, uh, currently our, our right, uh, right-wing government is, is a big, um, I mean, they're big fans of, of Trump, so I guess they think that they're gonna they're gonna reach their audience there but yeah. facebook is a very powerful player in public communication generally especially as the let's say generations grow older um it was like in the beginning it was marketed uh, at teens or it was uh, presented as a as a teen media yeah. now it's more of the 40 plus uh, population uh, living there the rest of it i mean the younger moved on to I'm going to say Instagram and WhatsApp, Snapchat and, and other platforms. But that was that was my, my next question. Right. So so there's a lot of um, debate going around uh, right now on both sides of the of the Atlantic um, about uh, the, the difference or the issues concerning self-regulation and, and regulation of these uh, platforms and the way they handle not just the complaints like yours, but generally speaking, how they handle uh, people's communication and messages and uh, um, contacts and I want to uh, firstly I want to since you you now work in in the field of, of ethics and technology uh-huh. I, I I would love to hear your thoughts firstly on on the on the concept of, of self-regulation in the in the tech sphere so is self-regulation something that was at any point in in time a feasible solution to the problem of of uh, fake news, propaganda, connectivity, and all the other issues that we're facing? Uh, no, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, uh, the, uh, here in the Netherlands, we have, uh, one, we have one example where I think the technology industry has come together and regulated themselves in a, in a sort of a sensible way and have created sort of an institute that helps with that regulation. And that's around the images of uh, sexual abuse of children. Uh, um, there they've set up sort of an institute that, that will uh, check images, create these hashes, tell content providers what they are, and they will allow them to sort of deal with it in a way that is um, um, sort of uh, not too overbearing towards censorship and in sort of a particularly well done way. Mm-hmm. But mm, I think that 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 we have seen in the last few years that when it comes to sort of uh, the regulation of content, that the that that these platforms have shown that the only metric that counts for them is engagement. Mm-hmm. So to use YouTube as an example, they have literally only done what they have done is tried to increase the number of viewing hours. You know, for the longest while, their goal was to reach 1 billion hours of YouTube viewing globally mm-hmm. per day. Which, when you think about it, is an, uh, basically that means that if you would be an alien and you would drop into the world, into a random spot, and you would walk into a house, 
there is a one in 200 chance that the person at that particular moment, at that particular spot, is watching a YouTube video. Um, <laughs> and then you have to realize that half of the world doesn't have internet. So, like, <laughs> it's quite, I find quite a shocking statistic how much of our sort of collective cognitive capacity we spend on a platform like that. Mm-hmm. And so the and so the only incentive so far for a company like Google with YouTube is to increase this viewing engagement against all other things that you could think would be important to do. So um, so no, I, I, I don't have any faith in I, I haven't seen any sort of form of self-regulation that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um at the same time, I'm sort of worried in the way that um, um, that governments are currently trying to get these companies to regulate themselves. Mm-hmm. So, so governments are basically um, trying to make these companies liable for the content that their users post. Yeah. So they 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 are saying basically, you know, if you if one of your YouTube users uploads a, a a terrorist video, then then it's your responsibility to get rid of that video as soon as possible. And if you don't, we will get back at you, which creates a sort of privatized form of enforcement, which is deeply problematic. Yeah, we we are currently in a situation where, um, you know, sort of the classic distinction between uh, lawmaking, um, enforcement. Um, and sort of um, uh, 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 the, 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 the actionable part. So basically judge, jury, uh, and uh, executioner um, is all in the same hands, mm. uh, which I think absolutely makes no sense. Yeah? You, we, cannot, uh, we cannot do that because, because it shouldn't be the companies who are the judge about mm. what type of content is uh, legal, basically, <laughs> what we will allow. And that, that makes no sense. So what is the, like the way forward, right? We had self-regulation, it doesn't work. We had some attempts of regulating the, the content debate, it doesn't work because there's an issue of censorship and content interpretation yep. and stuff like that. What now we're talking about digital tax that is a way forward in a way that okay if we can get them to regulate if we can get them to do something about themselves then we as as citizens as lawmakers we have to focus on on at least taxing their business model right how do you think that's more feasible or do you think this this uh, digital tax that is now being proposed all over in different countries do you think that idea has legs that it will lead to somewhere or is it just like grandstanding before the elections or before the the next uh, the uh, next voting period well i think a digital tax can help uh, create a sort of slightly more equitable society so i do think that we have a problem currently where the gains um, of our digital transformation are incredibly concentrated in the hands of a few companies that are owned by, you know, majority owned by a few people. So we 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 basically create this oligarchical 
society or, um, and in a way it is basically a, a plutocracy in a sense that our sort of common wealth um, our, our public infrastructure is slowly enclosed appropriated by these companies that sort of you know suck all the value out of our basically our collective behavior mm. Um, so, so taxing that will sort of maybe help mend that situation. So, I, I don't see why these companies will will get to keep all these gains in a sense. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, it is sort of uh, um, I think for very sort of uh, you know you're fighting the symptoms rather than um, taking st stuff. At, at the root cause, changing sort of that situation. Mm -hmm. And so to me, I think it's very important to do sort of a deep analysis of how our information ecosystem works and try and uh, to do sort of like a systems thinking approach about mm -hmm. um, where 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 is the leverage um, to change these sort of things. So I think literally that certain things should just not be allowed anymore. Mm -hmm. um, um, such as, well, um, so so I, I can give you one example, which is we uh, at Bits of Freedom, we were uh, at a hearing at the, at the Dutch Parliament uh, together with Facebook, basically, which was about you know um, foreign influence in elections, fake news, etc. And so basically, Facebook told the Dutch parliamentarians, um, you know, we're working very hard at this. And um, it is now no longer possible to do a political advertisement in country A. So, mm -hmm. for example, in the Netherlands, if you are based, if you're not based in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as a foreigner, you cannot buy a political ad. Mm -hmm. And we listened to that and we were like, well, I don't think that's true. You know, probably we can. So we asked a friend in Germany to basically buy a political ad in the Netherlands for mm -hmm. a certain political party. Um, and they were able to do it without any problem on a brand new account. Yeah, they created an account and they did it. So, so it's like the most blatant sort of violation of what they said. So basically they lied to the parliamentarians. And when I spoke to Facebook, they told me, yes, we have so many ads. We can't check them all. We have to like, then I was like, so, so why, you know, it's not your God given right to have people advertise at your place if you if you if you if you cannot stick to your own rules that you've created in order to protect the integrity of a democratic system mm. um, you know what wh why would we agree with that why why is that okay if you can't do that then okay stop stop having people advertise only mm. only do adver advertisements if you can have actual people look at the advertisement make a decision etc um, and if you can't do that, then you've scaled beyond the point of which it's feasible. And mm. um, so to me, I think we need to be more strict. I think a certain sort of data collection practices that are now incredibly normalized should just be forbidden. Mm. Um, it is not your God-given right to register my behavior because I use your technology. That is just not the case. Mm. So... So I think there's there's a piece there. And then I think that these companies are basically too big. 
So it is it is impossible to create a platform that can work in an equitable and fair and legal way for three billion people. Mm. Nothing in our world has a scale that works at that level. Mm. Um, so we need to be we need to create smaller technology. We need to um, we need to we need to build our own technology in a sense. And that sounds, I guess, slightly utopic or uh, naive, maybe even. But uh, I do believe that, you know, the people in Slovenia will be um, will benefit the most from technology that is made in their context by people that understand your values and the things that you find important, um, rather than um, general technology that comes from America or China or from wh wherever it might come from. Mm. Um, uh, so, so, so expanding on on that, um, and since we're slowly moving towards the the last part of the podcast, what are some, uh, let's say, solutions, or what are some paths we can take as users, as decision makers, as uh, as consumers um, to to remedy this situation? Because just recently there was a there was a huge this this summer was uh, let's say this summer was a a month of boycotting Facebook ads. Uh, you had tons of of um, incidents reported on, let's say, connected to YouTube, connected to Google, connected to Facebook, connected to basically every big platform uh, in this uh, in this area. And uh, reading the the financial reports that are coming in these days. All of these pla platforms are reported profits, are reporting profits. All of these pl platforms are, except for I think Twitter, reported um, uh, growth, <laughs> growth and stuff. So this is good for the economy, but bad for the people, so to say. And yep. what's the? How do you? I know it's a, <laughs> it's a million. It's not a million. It's a billion dollar question. But just <laughs> how do you? How do you approach this? Because we. I mean, so, so we've seen this happen for a while. We've seen this happening for a while now. We've seen statements. We've seen uh, attempts. We've seen on the other side pushback and uh, explanations of, of self-regulation. How do we move from this from this circle where we know that if when X happen, A is going to say A, B is going to say B, and in the end, X will happen again? Um. Is there any, yeah, like, I think that so, the so there is not a silver bullet. So mm. I, I think so. I think we need all the solutions that we can muster in a sense. Yeah. So we need the European Union to invest heavily into alternatives and into open source software, mm. and we need the European Union to make strict rules around public spending on software. Um, and how that works. We need to um, uh, have decent antitrust regulation in Europe and in, in the US where companies that have too much power um, over consumers, even if the consumers don't necessarily have sort of a financial um, penalty uh, through these sort of slightly monopolistic companies it is sort of a power play so we need to we need to fight for freedom in that sense we need to become independent of technology that we don't have public control over which means that we need to sort of so basically i think we're we're let's say it this way so there there 
we're in a situation where we are not free. We're not fully free because we're 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 in a situation of domination. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of people have used sort of this feudal analogy, mm-hmm. where where the the where Facebook, Google, they are sort of the landowners. Uh, and we are the, the feuds that live on the land according mm. to the rules of these landowners. Mm. And so there is this 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 pure imbalance where these companies ha- can arbitrarily uh, mess with us mm. without any sort of recourse. Um, so they, you know, if you have a Gmail account, every anybody who's listening to this podcast right now and who has a Gmail account needs to be aware that Google can turn off your email account at any point in time, whenever they want, without you having any say about this. Um, they can delete your emails. And the, and the only sort of damages that they have to pay you, according to the contract that you've agreed with <laughs> as a user, is how much you've paid for your Gmail account, which is zero. So, So basically, you need to be aware that they can do this and that you just need to live with it. Um, and so whenever somebody has this level of power over you, there's sort of three things that you can do. You can diminish their power. Um, so that is, you know, break them up um, into smaller pieces, uh, etc. Then you can build up the power of the weak people. So we can create our own technology. We can sort of become stronger as a public. Or what you can do is you can sort of inoculate yourself against power abuse. And so this is around rules and regulations. Um, and and I think on these three things, we need to move forward collect- collectively in order to, um, you know, have a step at solving this problem. Mm. And what if that doesn't work? <laughs> <laughs> well, I... <laughs> <laughs> I am a I am an optimist mm-hmm. uh, at heart. So uh, it will take time for society to adjust, uh, but I am sure that it will work. Mm. Uh, and yes, probably it will need to get a bit worse first. Um, so it will take time, um, but uh, I think that in the end, you know, when when the industrial revolution happened there was a tremendous amount of abuse in all sorts of ways. And it took quite a while before we had laws that made sure that children didn't work in the factories and that that there was sort of all sorts of labor regulations and protections through unions, through collective action, etc. And I'm sure we'll get there within the tech world as well. Te- tech is not tech is not a domain that that exists in itself outside of anything else. Uh, it is it is it is something that is squarely w- within our human influence and as soon as it it will have uh, sort of effects that are really truly disruptive for how we as societies want to live um we will uh, take measures and in that sense i'm i'm not you know i'm an optimist as i say okay uh, fingers crossed I, I can afford to be yeah <laughs> Fingers crossed uh, for all of us. Um, to wrap it up, I had an idea of, of uh, spiking your um, your explanation with the dude quotes, but then I thought, you know, the, the topic is too serious to, to joke around. 
And uh, let me just wrap up with a quote, with a butchered quote from, from the Big Lebowski that all the dude ever wanted was his rights back. Yeah, right? yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Hans. Uh, thank you for my, uh, Thank you so much, dear listener, for for joining in. Uh, join us uh, next month for another uh, episode of of Citizen D. And uh, fingers crossed. Thank you, Hans. My pleasure.